This section of the recording is on using cognitive and behavioral therapy to address anxiety. First, we're going to cover some general points of intervention with anxiety. The first is with physical symptoms. Our first intervention is relaxation training. You may have heard that relaxation is a tool to always use with anxiety when in fact it's not. It may actually interfere with treatment because it can be used as a means of avoidance and to prevent experiencing symptoms of anxiety that are necessary to build a tolerance of the anxiety symptoms. Relaxation should only be used to deal with low to medium levels of anxiety. When used during periods of high anxiety, it can actually push some people over the edge into a full-blown panic attack. Muscle relaxation can be used in treating tension headaches caused by anxiety. Another method for dealing with the physical symptoms of anxiety is controlled breathing. Controlled breathing balances the oxygen and carbon dioxide in your system that can be upset when you interrupt your normal breathing pattern when anxious. One method is known as 4 by 4 breathing because you breathe in for a count of 4 seconds, you hold your breath for 4 seconds, you breathe out fully, and you do this for at least 4 minutes. Because there's a time distortion in anxiety, you'll need to use a watch with a second hand to precisely measure the time. The reason we're going to be doing this for four minutes is that's the average amount of time it takes most people to metabolize adrenaline when it's released into their system. Controlled breathing is another form of dealing with physical symptoms of anxiety that's only going to be used at lower levels of anxiety. Some people can push themselves into a full-blown panic attack when they try to use controlled breathing at higher levels of anxiety. And finally, exercise is probably the best method to deal with some of the physiological symptoms of anxiety. I'm going to put a disclaimer in again. Always check with your PCP, your primary care physician, before starting any new exercise program. Intense physical exercise can be an effective way to decrease the amount of physiological hyperarousal associated with the symptoms of anxiety. Any sort of physical exercise can be helpful, but whatever exercise you do, you need to do it for at least four minutes for it to be effective in decreasing the physiological symptoms. We just covered the reason for that. That's the average amount of time it takes most people to metabolize adrenaline when it's released into their system in anxiety. Long, slow exercise, like a long walk, seems to be effective for depression, while brief, intense periods of exercise seem to be the most effective for anxiety. I'm going to take a page from the dog whisperer that people who tend to be anxious also frequently tend to be fairly passive. A more regular exercise program, getting some sort of daily exercise and doing exercise during episodes of anxiety is one of the more effective ways of dealing with the physiological symptoms of anxiety. Next we're going to be dealing with cognitive and imaginal components of anxiety. It's necessary to identify the idiosyncratic content behind the anxiety. Again, you can take people that have the same kind of anxiety, but they have a different idiosyncratic content to that anxiety. It's going to be necessary to identify that idiosyncratic content to be able to better to address that cognitively and with exposure exercises. 
If the idiosyncratic content of the anxiety is not known, the treatment will ultimately not be successful because you're not able to adequately address it cognitively or behaviorally through exposure. Identifying the idiosyncratic content is an absolutely vital component to the treatment of anxiety. Some of the ways to help narrow it down and identify it could be using the downward arrow technique to find the core issue. You're asking yourself, what would this mean about you? What would others think? What about that situation about that anxiety would be the most upsetting? What's the worst thing that could happen? If it were true, what would it mean? Why would it be so upsetting? You have to go down and go down and go down to find out what the idiosyncratic content is, to find out the specific things that you're afraid of. And once you have that, it makes anxiety much easier to work with. Imagery is a central component to anxiety, and it's so powerful because it ties affect and physiological arousal together very well. About 85% of all the people with anxiety disorders report vivid images that accompany the anxiety. It's necessary to assess and treat images the same way that other thoughts are handled. Imaginal exposure is used in situations where in vivo exposure, doing things in real life, would be impractical or dangerous and allows practice with ongoing exposure. You could use a CBT worksheet to track your thoughts and images and behavior so that you can analyze them for distortions and replace them with more balanced and realistic thoughts. Test your automatic thoughts as outlined in the CBT handout. Review the information in this manual and stay aware of the three thinking errors when anxious, that is, overestimating the chance of disaster, underestimating our ability to cope with something, and underestimating rescue factors. Flashcards with reminders, coping statements, and balanced thoughts may be extremely useful in learning new ways to think. Finally, distraction can be an extremely helpful way of managing the cognitive components of anxiety. When you're anxious, you tend to stay focused on what you perceive as dangerous. This only serves to keep you hypervigilant and extremely anxious. Distraction involves focusing your attention, your concentration, and your short-term memory on other things. When you don't focus on the trigger for the anxiety, it goes away. Distraction may include the use of puzzles, mental exercises like counting backwards or saying the alphabet backwards. There are many, many forms of distraction. Whichever form you choose, you must again use it for at least four minutes. If you do it for less than four minutes, it'll not be successful. It's also worth noting that with distraction, you can use that no matter how high the level of anxiety is. With things like controlled breathing and relaxation, you only want to use those things at lower levels of anxiety. For higher levels of anxiety, distraction can be used very effectively at any level without causing worse problems. Behavior is the next way we address components of anxiety. In order to get over your anxiety, it's going to be ultimately necessary to expose yourself to the anxiety-provoking situation. The anxiety will not improve if you don't use exposure exercises. Keep in mind, this is where identifying the idiosyncratic component of the anxiety comes in handy. We can't do proper exposure until we know the specific thing that we need to be exposed to. Ongoing exposure is necessary to reprogram the amygdala to no longer respond to the feared stimulus or situation that triggers the anxious response. 
in vivo exposure, that is, exposing yourself to things in real life, can be used in a number of ways. For information gathering, test automatic thoughts. To expose yourself in order to generate automatic thoughts. And also to help narrow down the idiosyncratic content. To practice distraction, relaxation and breathing. And to generalize new adaptive behaviors and cognitions to the anxiety-provoking situation and also to increase tolerance to the symptoms of anxiety. Using an activity schedule, using a coping plan worksheet, using CBT worksheets, using exposure hierarchies can all be part of that. Next is biology. For specific use in cognitive and behavioral therapy, the use of medication is sometimes discouraged. It precludes exposure to the symptoms of anxiety. People tend to attribute the success to the anxiety, to the medication, rather to their, instead of, people tend to attribute their success in dealing with anxiety to the medication rather than improved coping skills. Most anti-anxiety medications are designed for short-term use only. Medications don't improve the condition, they only mask the symptoms. And medications also have a poor relapse record. When you stop taking the medication, the anxiety comes back. The disorders that do seem to work well with medications are obsessive-compulsive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder. Many people with anxiety also have a comorbid depressive or other mood disorder that may require treatment with medications. For instance, some of the newer generation antidepressants can have a very beneficial effect on anxiety disorders as well. Some other ways of dealing with the biological symptoms of anxiety include making sure that you're sleeping well, making sure that you're eating well, taking care of any sort of physical or medical problems, and get regular and ongoing exercise. Our next category is the environment. Environmental toxins are actual abusive or traumatic situations that include actual physical danger, harassment, or abuse. These are not distortions, but reality. Assure safety as much as possible. Educate people regarding what they can do and what resources are available to be able to get away from environmental toxins. It's helpful sometimes to transform part of the anxiety into anger to motivate adaptive changes in the environment. Focus not just on coping, but on changing the environment to reduce environmental toxins when possible. We also work on decreasing feelings of shame, increasing social support, and developing a coping plan for the use of specific coping skills to tolerate what can't be changed. 